0: You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. good today, Ethan?
1: Oh, what's good? Well, it's not the weather. No,
0: not the weather. It is wreaking havoc on my sinuses. Yeah. The rapid temperature fluctuations
1: are yeah. just... Is it? Is it going to go back up now as well?
0: Yeah, uh. Saturday, it's going to be a high of
1: 82. Whoa, that's almost too much. <laughs> but I'll, like, I'll take it. I'm, I'm not going to take that with like spite or complaint. It's fine. Oh, man. I own air conditioning. That's it. It's fine. <laughs> That's right. You know, I actually have. This sounds ludicrous. I actually have used my air conditioning already this year. Have you really? But not. There have like, been some hot days. Yeah, like not. It's not as insane as that sounds at face value. Like I haven't like kicked it on all day and left it. But the way my house like holds temperature is very interesting. Mm. Like the insulated portions or whatever. So if I know there's no way it's going to cool down at night, i like two hours before I go to bed. I'm like, okay, let's cool this place Liberal down. <laughs> yeah, just put on like a blanket or some slippers and to deal with it because it's not going to fix itself. You know, by 4 a.m. I'm going to have a terrible no. night. No. No, it's no. all about my comfort. First world part, <laughs> You know what I mean?
0: There yeah. is, I think, something a lot more pleasant about a slightly, and this is the only time I will ever, I think, say something like this, a slightly cooler room yeah. and then a couple extra covers oh, for yeah. sleeping. I think that is eminently more comfortable.
1: Genuinely, like like sleep professionals, people who do sleep studies, would actually recommend that you, you sleep in a cooler environment for, for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know that's like good sleep health. I have no idea, but I'm like, You didn't need to tell me I would do it if you said it was dumb
0: Yeah. Ethan's the one alone, like, leave me in my igloo.
1: No, like, I don't have a ceiling fan in my house in this particular situation, which is fine. I've just, like, accommodated. But it used to be the case that there's literally not a night of the entire year that ceiling fan's not going. Mm. Gotta keep got to keep that temp down. Yeah. You know, yeah. but now it's just like, I don't know, just pop it down a few more degrees and you're yeah. fine.
0: And other than that, I always prefer it warmer. Other than that, just yeah. always a little That's on fair. the slightly warmer side.
1: It's so much easier to warm up than it is to cool down, though. There are limits to cooling mm-hmm. down. There aren't many limits to warm up you can put on as many layers as physically possible you can but I just don't like I don't like the, the sweat.
0: cold goes to my bones oh That's, yeah it hurts I, and i think it's become that numb more than mm. any like I guess this is a, a question of which discomfort yeah. do you prefer is it yeah. the is it like the sweat and the you know associated discomforts with being hot like that yeah. you
1: occasionally get that sense of mugginess that mental soup oh dude. when it's hot it doesn't take much for that yep. I'm like oh it's I like an to kill really
0: heel. it has to be really really hot for me to
1: get to that point. I think it'll Happened this Saturday for me. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't take much. 82, the it's mental two. soup begins. Yeah, I, I, my mental soup is on a hair trigger. <laughs> <laughs> you know it doesn't take much I thought I was losing it's my instant mind instant mental soup well but our, our our own Lucas Jarrett has corroborated my plight here yes so I feel I, I have heard him say uh, that yeah it's very important
0: whereas I would rather deal with those personally mm-hmm. than the ache and the cold and the yeah I understand that, stuff. that. so that's just that's yeah. it's just a matter I think of which discomfort mm-hmm. you prefer and mm-hmm. which you know I think we can all agree the best scenario is just a temperate you know like oh between 68 72 outside little breeze Ooh, you know little, bit of cloud, little cover. cloud cover
1: yes oh. That's yeah, the gift.
0: That is. So, mm. that is the gift. And you know what else is a gift?
1: Oh, I have some answers, but what's yours? Children are a gift. Oh, okay. And salvation is I a was, gift. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny because I was going to say not bearing children. <laughs> I was going to say not going through that physical process. Well, I mean,
0: the fact that I don't, yes. Yeah. As a man that I don't, I don't have to do mm. that. I am very grateful. Yeah. I'm thankful to God. Sure. For that mercy. Yeah.
1: To me. But, you know,
0: children themselves.
1: You're speaking as a father. Yes. You a heritage some, from the Lord. Some credit there.
0: Yeah. You know, a blessing upon your house, like uh, a fruitful <laughs> vine, you know, all these scripture images, sure. lovely little, yep. you know. Great. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> and salvation is a great great gifts you sure. know to be yeah. uh, like you know without actually I don't make that sound trivial I make both of these sound trivial but you know, <laughs> these are both <laughs> immense unbelievable <laughs> gifts that we're not owed they're just amazing right okay now here's a question. Oh boy. Are those two linked at all? Because there's a verse in First Timothy that mm-hmm. seems to make the case, and we had a we had a question come up about this, which is what in the world <laughs> does Paul mean when he says that and this is what he basically says. Basically. Women will be saved through childbearing.
1: What in the world is he indeed?
0: saying <laughs> that unless a woman gives birth to a child, she can't be saved? Are all non-mothers actually ruled out of salvation by default?
1: That is, that became egregious very quickly. Yeah, right? uh, I mean, I totally get how that feels confounding and weird, but I feel like before we take that leap, maybe uh, examine if that interpretation (laughs) fits any orthodox view of salvation in any way. (laughs) That's it. I'm just offering that as a caution. (laughs) Not That's that exactly I have an right. but I'm just like, uh...
0: Yes, like when, uh, when an unclear verse, this is a general rule, <laughs> to always keep in mind. Yeah. When you read a verse that at first seems puzzling, mm. like here's another podcast episode we could do, when Paul talks about people being baptized for the dead in Ooh, 1 Corinthians 15. That feels Catholic. Yes, and he says that. What does he mean? And you might think, wow, something really, really bizarre is going on. Yeah. But maybe before you let that one singular weird occurrence... <laughs> Change your entire view of the faith. Mm. Maybe ask, what does the rest of the faith have to say? What does the rest of the history of interpretation have to tell me about yeah. what this verse is saying? And likewise here. So what we have here is a reference to 1 Timothy 2.15, where Paul says, and I quote, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So okay. that's already like just by the sheer grammar and syntax of that verse. is confusing. It's very yeah, like, weird. What in the world? Now, just for some context, without reading the whole passage, This verse falls right at the end of some of Paul's teaching about the different roles of men and women and gathered church, how prayers should be conducted, so on and so forth. So with this verse in particular, there's not only the apparent strangeness of salvation linked to childbearing, question mark, but also the bizarre statement that she'll only be saved if they remain Mm. in holiness and love and self-control which you know seems to refer to the fact that if the children this woman has born Mm -hmm. remain in holiness love and self-control then and only then will she be saved
1: i see starting to sound like salvation is tied to the works of a completely separate fallen autonomous human being yes and that is fishy (laughs) that doesn't seem to track for me good luck (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can't think of anywhere in
0: scripture or anyone who's ever taught anything that even sounded remotely like that, right? So it's like, like, so what in the world? And, um, you know, if you're reading this verse for the first time, it does. I mean, it does really appear to be quite the doozy, to put it mildly, you know? Like, you're like, it's like you just read that and you're like, well, that, that seems to be what he's saying, right? So. You know, like, what, what is Paul actually getting at here? Yeah. Like, what is he saying?
1: <laughs> I mean, I can, I can poke fun at this literally all day. You'll have to stop me. Um, but I also, I can't actually exegete this in any useful way. All I can say is, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> as, as many people have had
0: to do with Paul over <laughs> the course of much time. So one thing we don't often do here on the podcast is show our work, right? And what I mean by that is, if we're talking about a scripture passage in particular, We're not going to talk you through all the exegetical spade work we did in preparation for the discussion. Like, we let a lot of that kind of, you know, make it like the foundation, you know? Best not seen, but, you know, it's it's there, (laughs) right? It it needs to be there. But just to show you all how zany this passage is and uh, what a bizarre puzzle it is to try to translate from Greek. Oh, sure. I don't normally like to do this, but I think this is actually a helpful instance of this. Okay. Let's just walk briefly through the actual grammar of this verse, okay? First of all, if your normal go-to translation is like the NIV, mm. they muddied the waters further by making a very bold interpretive decision. All translations interpretation sure, in a yeah. certain sense, but they made an additional interpretive decision when they were translating mm-hmm. because the NIV says... Not that yet she will be saved. The NIV instead says, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Now... That makes, grammatically, the subjects make more sense, right? Women will be saved if they. You have two plural subjects, yeah. right? However, the Greek verb translated will be saved is not a plural verb. It's just not. Okay. It is a singular verb. Hmm. Third person, singular, to be specific. So the ESV is exactly right when it translates the verb as yet she will be saved. Okay. A okay?
1: more specific there.
0: Yeah, it is. And that's it's like Greek had plural verbs. Like he, yeah. he could have used a plural verb and he didn't. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Greek scholars can justify why they would translate it that way but that's just an interesting choice yeah so point being the question then becomes if that's correct then who is she right Uh, also who is the she that will be saved right is this a singular personalization of like all women in general Hmm. or is it referring to a specific woman well, again, I'm I'm trying to all the mystery here and get us down to the basics. I think it's the latter. I think yeah. it's referring to a specific woman. Okay. And grammatically, the verses immediately preceding are about Adam and Eve.
1: Ooh, I okay? love contextual evidence. Yes,
0: right. Like because that's what we just some for some reason. I don't know why this is, and this is true of me when I'm reading too. But like yeah. if I come across a weird verse occasionally, everything that goes before and after it just <laughs> it just it disappears.
1: <laughs> you get it's this spotlight like, effect on yeah. nothing but sheer confusion. Right.
0: Exactly. And it's like no, no, no. Like if you just go. <laughs> Not all the time, but many times, if you just really keep in mind a few verses prior and a few verses after, you can answer most of your questions Mm -hmm. about a confusing verse. That's
1: a great rule of thumb. Not all the time, but most of the time. Yeah.
0: So, in this case, specifically, um, Paul had been uh, using the creation order of Adam and Eve to make his points about his teachings earlier, about prayer and worship and how all that stuff works out. And then he ends with this weird, you know, yet you will be saved through childbearing. Yeah, okay. So, he ends the discussion by noting, and this is the immediate context that heads into this strange verse. He says, now Adam was not deceived. But the woman was deceived, became a transgressor, yet... She will be saved. So, when Paul says she, if you're actually just reading that all together, who's it most natural to take she as? Oh,
1: that's Eve. Eve, of 100%. course, right?
0: Yeah, like that just, you know, I don't sound like, oh, if you didn't get that, that's, you know, you're stupid. I mean, like, it just seems obvious if you're just reading it all right. as plainly as you can following the grammatical flow of the verse. So, yet Eve will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control, which is still Ooh. weird, right?
1: It is, but it's getting, getting clearer, clearer.
0: Right? Yes. So, if that's the correct understanding... Then the next logical question, I think, is what's Paul's point? <laughs> again, we're, we're still at that, like, what's the point? Yeah, like, right? why even
1: bother? Why, why do we need to hear about this?
0: Yes. So, I once again want to point to an odd grammatical fact.
1: Okay. Right?
0: A weird syntactical fact, whatever you want to call it. In the Greek text, the word we translate as childbearing actually has a definite article in front of it. Hello. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So it would be exegetically possible, and I think quite responsible, actually. Mm. And I think the revised version actually did translate it this way. Yeah. But you could translate it as, yet she will be saved through the childbirth, Mm. right? Now, if we take it that way, and I think we should, I think we're justified in doing that, then what is the childbirth? Or to ask it another way, we're thinking about Adam and Eve here, right? So what is the childbirth that
1: brought Salvation. Mm. I can think of one. Yeah, specifically and only one.
0: Yes, right. The <laughs> one that perhaps fulfilled the ultimate promise of childbirth in, say, Genesis three fifteen, where mm. God promised Eve that one of her seeds would crush the serpent's head. Yeah. Yes, the birth of Jesus. Right.
1: Yeah, so what actually kind of at first seems like this inflammatory backward statement on salvation is actually a very unsurprising connection being drawn out. Yes, like we just we just suck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and our like <laughs> I, I do feel like sometimes like our our separation of the text, like we we have some advantages, huge yeah. advantages, because we have this whole scope and we can actually look and say, oh yeah, I know about these two things separated by an insane number of years. And, right. But I think our separation of the text or tradition or whatever can sometimes actually make these details harder. To pick up if we're not being careful, or if we're not being guided through it.
0: Right. Yes. Exactly. And on that note, what I'm suggesting and advocating here is not a novel interpretation that I'm making up. Right. This is something that exists within the Christian tradition. Mm. It's been taken this way by much, much smarter exegesis theologians <laughs> than I, who have been positing it long before we were ever born. Oh, love to hear. So you know, it. just just so you know, I'm not out here on a complete right wacko <laughs> this is, limb. This
1: is not a conspiracy theory podcast, right? right. No. What if you translate this number of letters backwards? Yeah, like, Seven times. Get the code and you can find out where the gold's buried. Yeah, this is just like a funny reality of interpretation.
0: It is, exactly. And having to think a little more closely about thematic connections in scripture yeah, and yeah. paying attention to details that otherwise might escape your notice. And so the last question I think to answer before we try to put all the puzzle pieces together is this. Why does the subject seem to suddenly change in the latter half of the verse? Yeah. Like we go from she will be saved to if they continue in faith and so on. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Again, I I think we we can easily overcomplicate this, but I think the simple grammar gives us the clearest answer, which is that Paul has been talking about both Adam and Eve.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah.
0: So they, logically, must refer to both Adam and Eve. So then we could take the whole verse like this, because he implies that Adam was, of course, deceived. And he talks about Adam being the representative head through whom sin and death entered into the world yeah. throughout his letters. Mm-hmm. So you get this idea that you could translate the whole verse kind of like this, if we actually fill in all these pieces. Yet Eve will be saved through the childbirth, if she and Adam continue in faith and love and holiness with
1: self-control. So Makes like, a lot more that, sense. Yeah, that's
0: a lot clearer. You can actually start to, I think, piece this together. Mm-hmm. So piecing it together then, what's the whole point? You know, why did he include this verse? I think, again... Bearing in mind the context of this whole letter and thematic connections throughout the scripture, Paul has been talking throughout 1 Timothy about salvation in Jesus Christ. And he's actually taking great pains to show this is a salvation that reaches to the uttermost to save the worst of sinners. And that this salvation then results in properly ordered and holy living, okay? So that was the focus of chapters 1 and 2. He spent a lot of time talking about that. So then, I think he's offering a sort of biblical theological summary statement of that teaching. So we could sum it up maybe like this. Adam and Eve plunged all of humanity into the wreck and ruin we find ourselves in, all right? They are our parents in sin, and the fact that everything is disordered, not just in humans, but in creation itself. Yeah. And that we need saved is because of their transgression, right? They, in a sense, we could say, caused all this, right? And so you'd think, man, if anyone would possibly maybe be ruled out from salvation have to be them, right? Adam and Eve, they mm. screwed the whole thing up. In Adam, sin and death entered the world. Yeah. That's a
1: big deal. big deal.
0: Yet, even Adam and Eve were offered salvation through the coming of Christ into the world, through the childbirth.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And if their faith was truly in the God of such a promise, it would be shown by their faith and love and holiness and self-control. And so Paul is ultimately, I think, making an argument from the lesser to the greater. If Adam and Eve could be saved through the coming of Christ, born of a woman, and that salvation even reached back all those thousands of years before Christ came, before we were born, how much more shall we also be saved by this greatest of childbirths, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, like, I think if this is not the epitome of some things hard to understand or twisted by spiteful scumbags, (laughs) (laughs) it's my translation, (laughs) Um, speaking of interpretive choices... (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure, <laughs> you know, that's a responsible version of Second Peter. III. Oh yes. But yes. you get the idea. Like this is like so prone because when you yeah. look at it without context, you're like, what on what yeah, you weird just weird framework.
0: Yeah, you isolate it completely and you lose sight of what has actually been said. Yeah. And here's one more just interesting exegetical tidbit on this, by the way, just in case you're like thinking like, maybe, but I'm not so sure. Right after this verse, 1 Timothy 3, 1, Paul says this saying is trustworthy. And then he goes on to describe the qualifications for elders, pastors in the church, okay? okay? Typically, the way you might see that verse translated is this saying is trustworthy, colon, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, which you take that to mean if you're reading it. all, Paul is saying it's a trustworthy saying that if you aspire to be a pastor, you desire a noble thing, right? Yeah, right. Maybe. Oh. Here's the weird thing about that. Paul uses that same little phrase, this saying is trustworthy, a few times in his letters. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did my research on this right? Someone may need to fact check me, but I'm pretty sure the only times he actually uses that phrase, he always uses it as a summary, like a cap statement when he's just described salvation in Christ.
1: Oh. So he uses it
0: earlier in 1 Timothy, he uses it in Titus, and he uses, it, I gosh, now I'm like, I think 2 Timothy. Hmm. But it always has to do with, for example, like this saying is trustworthy. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Yeah. So like, that's another exegetical tip of the hat to say. Right. He was referring to the fact that Adam and Eve, the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ, brought salvation for them, and they demonstrate their faith and belief in that promise if they hmm. live a holy, ordered life. This saying is trustworthy. Like, that, applies to us, too. Right, okay. So, just another little exegetical tidbit there. Hmm. Also, thematically, this is the same sort of contrast that Paul sets up over and over and over and over in his letters. Yeah. Uh, It's one of his literary characteristics. He sets up a contrast between Adam and Eve and Christ to demonstrate God's power to save us. So, in this particular case, he's showing us through Adam and Eve that even if they... If even they were promised salvation through the childbirth, then so are we. And the damage that Adam and Eve's sin did to holy, creation-ordered living can be undone and redeemed in Christ, too. Hmm. Yeah, and again, you know what? Peter's right. There are some things in Paul that are hard to understand. True, And I think that, as you pointed out very aptly, this counts. But uh, (laughs) hopefully, if you come across this in your reading or anything, that clears a few things up for you. Certainly. So thanks, as always, for listening. If you did find this content helpful, clarifying, and enlightening, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in that Apple podcast platform, that'd be Mm. great. Share with your friends. And if you have any other questions on any other confusing texts or issues, you can feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. So thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time.